What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome in to Duval Daily presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a live stream for you guys today. We are going to be talking all things Jaguars mandatory minicamp, if you want to call it that. School is now out for summer after the Jaguars had their three-day mandatory minicamp Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's now Thursday, June 16th. Shout out to Annabelle, little little sister. Happy birthday. She's not watching, I'm sure, but uh, wanted to give her a shout out either way. Again, school's out for summer. Uh, After this pseudo-mandatory minicamp, the Jaguars will now uh, be off if you will, until late July, July 24th, when training camp gets going. And uh, then you're talking about preseason in a couple weeks after that and the start of the regular season right after that. So uh, we're getting there. We've got about a month left, a little over a month left until training camp. And then at that point, it's going to be hot and heavy uh, rolling towards the regular season. If you're a fan of the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Helps us out a ton. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. John says, yo, what's up, John? Appreciate you being here, man. So today is all about minicamp storylines, top takeaways. What did I see? Uh, What can I gather from what I've seen, from what I've heard? So let's just jump right into it. We haven't had a, a show since minicamp started that was focused on practices and minicamp. So Doug Peterson, he gave the vets who are not rehabbing injuries the entire week off. So the only veterans that were there were guys rehabbing injuries. Other than that, it was all rookies and first-year players. So why was LaVisca Chenault there? He had a minor hamstring issue that he was working through. But he looked good to go. He participated in individual drills. Uh, he he looked good. So it's not like he was there. We were originally wondering, like, is he there voluntarily? Is he there because Doug Peterson wanted him to be there? But it ends up he was dealing with a minor hamstring issue, and that's why he ended up being at minicamp this week. And he was only there Monday and Tuesday, not there on Wednesday. So that kind of clears up that whole situation. Uh, the rest of the vets were given off because Doug Peterson believes they earned it. Uh, he he gave them off the final day of OTAs. They went out and and swung the golf clubs out at Top Golf a little bit. Had some fun, some team bonding instead of uh, practice. That was last Thursday, last Wednesday, um, and now the vets they won't be back until July twenty fourth. I don't think for anybody that's worried about losing these practices for the veterans with all the newness of the team, you know, so many new starters on each side of the ball, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, losing three unpadded practices for veterans in June, I really don't think is a big deal. Doug Doug Peterson feels comfortable with the install, feels good about where everyone's at physically and mentally, and he wanted to give the rookies some more time to get individual attention 
and uh, really uh, you had the rookies. They had their rookie mini camp. Then you had OTAs where the entire team was in the building. And so, you know, the rookies got acclimated to having the vets in and now they go back in, in mini camp this past week and have more individual attention, more time one-on-one with the coaches and uh, get to kind of refocus and, and collect themselves now that the veterans were not there. So I don't have a problem with it. Doug Peterson's done this sort of thing before. I haven't seen a Jaguars coaching staff do it before. So it was a little bit of a surprise for me, but Peterson talked about he's done this before. And again, three unpadded practices in the middle of June uh, does not make or break a season. If Doug Peterson feels the installs uh, were complete, and the retention was good when you take it the install from the meeting room to the practice field, then there really is no reason to make these vets show up for, you know, some glorified unpadded practices that really don't mean a whole lot. Again, no pads, no hitting. Uh, That will come in training camp, but there still are some takeaways that I have from, from, Mandatory minicamp. Mandatory minicamp. The Jaguars brought in outside linebacker Wyatt Ray, who did participate in the minicamp this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. He replaces Jordan Smith on the 90-man roster. Um, Jordan Smith suffered in OTAs a season-ending knee injury that will require surgery. So you really feel for him going into his second year as a pro Jaguars traded up for him in the 2021 NFL draft in the fourth round. And he was raw, but you know, really long, pretty good athlete, a lot of potential developed a lot as an edge setter. Like at at UAB, he could not set the edge to save his life, uh, but he showed the ability to do that for the Jaguars down the stretch in 2021. So I was really encouraged about his ability to be a rotational edge for the Jaguars long-term, but he's going to have to hit the pause button, undergo surgery, go through rehab and try to attack 2023 as strong as he can. But Wyatt Ray, he comes in from the Cincinnati Bengals, played 15 games for them last year and was primarily a special teamer on the return teams. Uh, but he'll come in he'll compete for a back-of-the-roster spot. Uh, probably doesn't stand a very good chance uh, of making the roster, but he'll have his opportunity to do so. Um, and he is the grandson of Nat King Cole, nephew of Natalie Cole. So some famous bloodlines, and, and he performed well in his duties on special teams for the Bengals last year. So he'll have to continue to do that in Jacksonville and show some upside as an edge defender for the Jaguars. They've got a crowded room there. The back of the roster wide receivers, I've got some takeaways here. Talked about it a little bit on DeLugo on Duval yesterday, which is available exclusively on the relevant app, Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Right now, you see the flashes from Kevin Austin. You see the athleticism. Kevin Austin is the undrafted free agent. A lot of people are excited about. A lot of people are talking about. Had a pretty big season for Notre Dame in 2021 as a vertical threat. Tested really well at the Combine. Jaguars brought him in to compete for a back-of-the-roster spot. 
flashes are there, athleticism's there, but I do not see a guy who is showing more than the receivers on the roster like Jeff Cotton, like Tim Jones, um, even some undrafted free agents similar to Kevin Austin. You know, you've got Winningham, who's 6'3", buck 95. He's got really good length, really good catch radius. I'm just not seeing the separation between Kevin Austin and the rest of these wide receivers that are competing for spots. And so if you're going to keep him around, which you would think you would because the Jaguars paid a pretty penny to bring him in here, they wanted to secure his rights. So so they offered him a nice signing bonus and all that. You want to see some more separation from him versus the other guys. And again, he does look like a really good athlete. He does show the splash plays, the ability to go up and get the football, to extend for the ball. But too many routine catches just uh, kind of slip away from him at this point in his development. So if you're going to keep him around on the roster, are you going to feel comfortable putting him on the field if you have injuries? To me, he looks like a practice squad player at this point. Again, long way to go. We have not put pads on yet. He can certainly turn it on throughout July and August, make some plays throughout the preseason, show that he has value on special teams because if you're going to make the back of a roster as a receiver, you're going to have to have that special team's value. But I don't see him right now as a more impressive wideout than some of these other Guys like Jeff Cotton, Tim Jones, uh, Winningham. So I think it's going to be tough, but uh, he he was a bit of a project bringing him in here. I think the Jaguars know that. So I think they're probably, at this point, if you had to cut your roster down to 53 right now, I don't know how you could say that Kevin Austin is one of the 53 best players on the roster. And that's unfortunate. I know a lot of people are excited about him. He could turn it on again throughout training camp and um, show that he has special teams ability. But right now, I would not keep him on a 53-man roster. I would put him on the practice squad. Maybe protect him if you can. I'm not sure. I was talking to Jamal yesterday about this. Like, If you do release him or waive him, is is he going to be picked up by another team based on what you saw in 2021 and the, and the testing you would think another team would give him a shot, but if he doesn't do enough to stick around for the Jaguars, how many other teams are going to be clamoring for his services? Maybe a team that has injuries, et cetera, but it is possible you can stash him on the practice squad. And then after you get him on the practice squad, you, you could potentially protect him. Billy Lay says, how common is this? Do you think it's a way to build some trust with the players? And this is referring to Doug Peterson giving the vets off this week. I believe, I don't believe it's super common, uh, but I do think Doug Peterson has said he's done this before and he feels comfortable with where they're at installation-wise, taking it from the meeting room to the practice field and yes, I do believe it is a way not to just build up trust, but to build up camaraderie to show like, if you guys put the work in, I'm going to take care of you. And I think that's what he's doing. John says, that sounds disappointing. I was hoping Austin was going to be a sleeper early on. 
he still very well could be. And I do think if you used him exclusively as a deep receiver, there's a good chance he's productive and good for you. But do you want to keep a guy at the back of the roster whose only value is as a as a deep ball receiver? Maybe. I don't know. I just think when you look at – I mean, if you're only keeping six receivers, if you talk about keeping Kevin Austin over Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell's going to do the dirty work. He's going to block. He's going to be able to run the route tree. Austin's probably a better deep ball target. So what do you value more? That's a question that Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, all these guys are going to have to kind of look at and analyze and figure out what they do value more. So I think Treadwell would bring you more consistency early on, but who gives you more long-term value? Who gives you more deep ball value? There's a lot of different things to look at. I'm not writing Kevin Austin off. I'm just saying at this point, if I had to put together a 53-man roster, I'd be trying to stash Kevin Austin on the practice squad. Now, Snoop Connor. This is a running back the Jaguars traded up for in the fifth round. When when you look at that trade-up, though, like you look at a team trading up for a player, you you automatically say, wow, this is a guy the team really wanted. And I do think the Jaguars wanted him, but they looked at that trade situation more as they could acquire a 2023 fourth round pick and also get the running back that they wanted at that spot, which was Snoop Connor. And so that's how they kind of attacked that situation. Um, so I don't think that they traded up because they valued him so much. They traded up to get that fourth round pick in 2023. But Snoop Connor is here. He's a guy that was underutilized at Ole Miss, used primarily as a goal line back or a, uh, a a guy that could just come in and spell. Um, now I can't think of their starting running back's name, but he was more of a shifty, elusive type of guy, whereas Snoop Connor, 5'10", 220, same size as James Robinson. He has shown quicker feet than I expected. Um, I did expect him to show good hands, which he has. I haven't seen him put the ball on the ground. Uh, when he's running these drills, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. And um, so he's been impressive in that area. And they've also been working on the blocking drills, of course. And and if that's been against, you know, dummy pads and stuff. So we haven't seen him block against actual other NFL athletes yet. But everything that I saw in Snoop Connor's college game, which was power, uh, the ability to find the find the crease in the zone rushing attack, which Ole Miss ran a lot of zone, which the Jaguars are going to do as well. Um, and then to catch passes out of the backfield. And also uh, I did see a lot of potential for him as a, as a guy that can pick up blitzes and he certainly has the frame to do so. So I think Snoop Connor overall has been impressive. One thing I've noticed with these uh, running back drills is you're seeing a little bit more complex routes out of the backfield for these guys um, than you saw with some previous regimes where if you were looking for a dump off a check down and urban Myers Daryl Bevel's offense whatever you want to call that or even back uh, the year prior with um, with Gruden and then even before that with DiFilippo it's just really basic check downs you just flare out just kind of sit there here you're seeing these running backs you know having to make a couple different cuts throughout their route, making different moves. And, and that gives you the ability to create space against defenses. 
especially against man coverage. And I really like to see that. So I'm encouraged by just the route concepts you're seeing from the running backs out of the backfield. Trayvon Walker, got to talk about him. First overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. People are fired up about him. He looks every bit as impressive as you would expect a first round, first overall pick to look. Um, he's so big, so powerful, so fluid. Whether you see him going through the, the drills with Bill Shuey off to the side, which he does to start practice every single day, going through the uh, pass rush drills and edge, edge drills, or whether you're seeing him drop in coverage, he shows good hands, he shows good uh, hip fluidity and quickness, dropping back into coverage, and he's going to be super stout against the run. He's been a lot of fun to watch. Let's get into some of these comments here. Billy says to me that was a very smart move by the head coach, and again, I think that's talking about getting the um, the vets the week off. I, I agree. I don't have a problem with it. John says, I like Treadwell. I do too. If he's your sixth best receiver, I think you're in good shape. Jack Sayre has, says, has Austin shown improvement over the course of rookie minicamp through today? Unfortunately, his worst practice was Wednesday. Um, he dropped more than one pass on Wednesday. His worst practice of minicamp was the last practice of minicamp. John says, what were the details of that tra trade? I forgot about the details. I don't remember off the top of my head, but the Jaguars essentially moved up a couple spots. Um, and they moved down and then moved up, I believe. Something like that. But it essentially uh, gave them that 2023 fourth because I think the Buccaneers really valued uh, the cornerback that they drafted with that pick, which I can't remember if that was Zion McCollum or uh, the other super athletic small school guy, but I think the Bucks really valued the corner they wanted to get, whereas the Jaguars valued more getting that 2023 fourth round pick. But I, I can't remember the exact details off the top of my head. Jack Sayre says, I saw that Josh Allen predicted that Walker would break his rookie sack record. Yeah, he talked, I mean, Josh Allen, he seems highly motivated this year. Seems like a guy that's fired up. He should be. He's got more talent around him. Finally, he's got a better defensive scheme. I think there's more talent, not only on the edge, but at linebacker and at, in the cornerback room and at safety. I mean, the defense is much more talented than it was even just a year ago. And so you think about that, you think about Mike Caldwell's scheme, which will be heavily based off of what Todd Bowles has done over the last decade or so. You've seen a lot of big time producers in that scheme uh, coming off the edge. So yeah, Josh Allen talked about um, you know, he needs to go break Calais Campbell's sack record and Trayvon Walker needs to go break uh, Josh Allen's rookie sack record. And these are two guys that are extremely talented and they should have every tool at their disposal to come in and have a, a big season. And I do, I don't want to get go overboard with Trayvon Walker. This is a guy who still is raw as a pass rusher, as a edge rusher. The athleticism, the, the strength, the length, Everything's there, but it's just about, you know, really putting together this uh, pass rush plan and then also having the pass rush toolbox. Wizzy TV says, I'm still disappointed we didn't get Justin Ross. I mean, that's a tough situation for me. I valued Justin Ross in the draft um, really as early as the late third, early fourth round. 
So, you know, the turn from day two to day three, I think based on his play on the field, probably a lot of NFL teams would have valued him there. But I I don't I I guess a lot of NFL teams did not have him on their board anymore because of the medical checks. The Chiefs were the team that were willing to risk it and bring him in. And so far, based on a bunch of unpadded practices, it looks like that was a really smart move. You've seen some incredible highlights from him already, making these one-handed grabs look routine. So yeah, I would say being disappointed about not getting Justin Ross is fair, but you have to realize the injury concerns are real. And I do believe uh, there's uh, a, at least half the league, probably more, did not have him on their board anymore because of the injury situation. I feel you pain production says, how do you feel about Barch? I think he can stay, take a step up. He looks bigger. I'm a big fan of Ben Barch. And that's kind of one thing I wanted to talk about at some point in this show. And we can go ahead and do it is the position battles that you will see in training camp. Luke Fortner is going to be battling it out with Ben Barch at left guard and Tyler Shatley at center to see if they can get the best five on the field. That is their goal. I know you've heard that a lot, but this this organization, this regime feels that way strongly about getting the best five offensive linemen on the field. I agree that Ben Barch looks good. I think he looked good for the most part in 2021. It was really unfortunate for him. Like Once he got into the starting lineup, the Jaguars started playing the Rams. He had to go up against Aaron Donald. Uh, He had to go up against Jeffrey Simmons twice. He had to go up against DeForest Buckner twice. I mean, it was really a murderer's row when you look at the different defensive tackles that that interior offensive line had to go up against once Ben Barch got into the starting lineup for A.J. Can last year. And so I do think he had some welcome to the NFL moments against those guys, even though it was his second year. Um, And I do believe he has, you know, he's had so much upward trajectory. He went in uh, to college. I think he was like 215 pounds. He was able to put on 75 plus pounds during his time at division three St. John's. And uh, then, you know, getting into Jacksonville, I agree. He does look bigger. I think he's bigger and stronger. And I think when he was playing, even against that upper echelon competition, like I mentioned, Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons, DeForest Buckner, sure, there was plays where they took advantage of him. They take advantage of every offensive lineman they play against at times throughout games. Those guys are just unreal defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen. But even against them, Ben Barch had flashes, and then against some more, you know, more average or above average guys. I think Ben Barch performed very well. So I do think Ben Barch and Tyler Shatley are going to give Luke Fortner everything they have, and it's going to be difficult for Fortner to beat them. But don't forget, I had Luke Fortner as a second-round pick, second-round grade. Jaguars get him in the third round. I do believe he is a long-term starter in Jacksonville. So I'm not taking anything away from Luke Fortner, but he's behind the eight ball a little bit compared to these guys who Tyler Shatley – you know, he's 31 or 32 now. He has tons of experience in the league. And, of course, Ben Barch is going into his third year, and he's gained a lot of valuable experience over his first two years of his career. Deborah Green, my mama, says, hi. Hey, mom, how you doing? Billy Grant says, hopefully we'll get excited about this season for real this season. Yeah, I mean, 
I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited. I, I do think you can't go overboard here. This is still a team that is coming off four wins in two seasons. But yes, there's reason to be more excited than you have been. John says, I, I don't know how I feel about the way Little looks. Doesn't look conditioned. I'm not really sure why you would say that, honestly. And then Jags for Life says, first live stream. Super happy to have you here, Jags for Life. Happy that everyone is here. We really appreciate your support. Uh, please go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube. And, and also, you can follow me at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. At Generation Jag for Generation Jaguar. But yeah, then you've also got Jawan Taylor versus Walker Little. John says he doesn't think Walker Little looks conditioned. I'm not sure why he would say that. Um, we can talk about that more if John has more comments. But I think Walker Little should absolutely be a shoe in for that job. Outside of that, there's not a ton of competition. The main competition this offseason is going to be, or excuse me, not this offseason, this training camp is going to be at at the offensive line spots. I think you will also see Devin Lloyd and, and Foy Aluokan competing for the green dot, who's going to be the guy communicating the plays. You would think Aluokan would have the advantage there being a veteran, but, um, but Devin Lloyd is quite a leader, quite a communicator. He's going to give Aluokan everything he's got. James Robinson, quick little update on him. I was out there. I was able to see him running, and he's only running in a straight line. I wouldn't even say that it's full speed at this point. Um, but the fact that he's progressing, he's able to run, uh, there is a plan in place to get him doing more of the agility, the cutting, all that stuff. Robinson would not reveal to us when that is scheduled to happen or if he's going to be back for training camp or the start of the regular season. All that still appears to be up in the air. Um, he was asked about, like, did he speak with Cam Akers, uh, who Cam Akers came back from the Achilles injury in six months, which was really incredible. Uh, Robinson did not did not get with Cam Akers. He didn't really want to set expectations for himself about, like, based on what someone else is doing. He kind of wanted to just go at his own pace create this plan with the doctors, with the trainers and get it going that way and do his own thing instead of trying to do or emulate what someone else has done. John said regarding Walker Little, maybe he saw some bad vids. I don't know. I didn't see them. So if you've got them, send them my way. Uh, I'd be happy to take a look. Undrafted free agent tight ends. I know the Jaguars have three tight ends that are on expiring contracts in Evan Ingram, uh, Chris Manhurts, and Dan Arnold. So could one of these undrafted free agent tight ends develop? Uh, obviously, they also have Luke Farrell, who the Jaguars drafted in the fifth round, I believe, of 2021. And I think he's a balanced tight end. He can line up in line. He can do some things for you as a receiver as well. Decent athlete there. But for me, the undrafted free agents... Uh, you've you brought in several at tight end. And I think the one that has stood out to me the most is Nas Bohannon, who is the former North Carolina basketball player, did not play much football in his life. He did play some high school football, but he was more of a blocker in his scheme there. They didn't really send him out as a passer, but I've seen him haul in a couple impressive passes. Uh, I have seen him uh, looking 
kind of more fluid in and out of breaks than some of the other guys. And that is surprising to me because I kind of had high expectations for Prince out of UAB. And I know a lot of people were high on Gunter as well. I've seen the most from Nas Bohannon. So if you look at, you know, the pipeline of talent, could Nas Bohannon, who is raw, don't get me wrong. Again, he did not play football in college. He is raw. But is there a path for him to find a way onto the practice squad and potentially develop into a guy who you can keep around on the active roster? Timothy Connor says, Man Hurts gets no love, LOL. Athletic monster blocker with decent hands. He should get love. I agree. He's an excellent blocker. And what we saw from him with his hands last year, not bad. Jack Sayre says, Who looks the fastest on the team? That is a great question. ETN looks incredibly fast. Um, Jamal Agnew looks really fast. Who else would be in competition there for the fastest on the team? I mean, for his size, Trayvon Walker looks incredible. Christian Kirk is really fast as well. Um, Darius Williams might be more quicker than fast, but he's quick too. Yeah, I would have to say either ETN, Christian Kirk, or Jamal Agnew. Probably Jamal Agnew, if we're being completely honest. You saw what he was able to do with the ball in his hands on the offensive side of the ball and as a receiver and obviously uh, as a return man. Um, Deshae Townsend, this is something I wasn't sure if I talked about here on, on Duval Daily. Deshae Townsend, the Jaguars passing game coordinator on defense and defensive backs coach. He, he confirmed to me that Darius Williams, who came over from LA, the hometown kid, Super Bowl champion, he is going to be, he's going to be their slot guy. And so you're going to have Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin as your two primary outside corners. Um, I, I was curious how they would divvy those roles up um, if it would be more of a situational a situational philosophy there where maybe if you're against a power running team you have Griffin or Campbell in the slot and Williams outside to get him away from contact potentially but no Darius Williams is going to be their primary slot defender and I think there can be an advantage to going ahead and establishing those roles early versus moving guys around too much. So uh, I don't have any issue with that. John says, Chris is top three best blocking tight end for real. I agree. I think he's, if you talk to people around the league, if you watch him, everybody agrees he's one of the best blocking tight ends in football. And really his season was marred by, he had a game, I think, where he picked up three penalties in one game which was pretty crazy. And I think one of them was clearly a bad decision. Two of them were kind of wrong place, wrong time. Uh, in case you missed it, training camp will not be uh, at the Jaguars practice facility because it's currently under construction. It will not be on TIAA Bank Field. Instead, it will be at Episcopal Satellite Campus where their boathouse is, which is just a little further down Atlantic uh, Boulevard, you know, east towards the beach uh, where there's a couple practice fields that they'll be able to take over for that month, month and a half, whatever it is, and um, and get their practice in over there. And I'll be out there. So make sure to follow me at Jordan DeLugo for all the updates. 
couple other things I've got here. What do we want to talk about? Well, Jack Sarah says, I love how Agnew said he watched his kick six over and over about a million times. Such an amazing moment. Yeah, and Gus Johnson's call on that was incredible. I wish Gus Johnson uh, could just be the permanent Jaguars uh, color guy or radio guy because he, he's fantastic. Us and Them says, I thought Snoop showed good hands so far. I think Doug is known for rotating backs. He will get his chances. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the fact that James Robinson, while he is running in a straight line, he doesn't exactly look like he's ready to take the practice field in a month. Maybe he will get get better real quick. We'll see. I think there's a really good chance Snoop Connor will get get a lot of playing time early in the season. But he will not be a starter. Travis Etienne, he's fully healthy. He's good to go. Uh, he was not at minicamp. That shows you where they feel about his health. So th- I think that's really good. One hot take I wanted to leave you guys with. I'll answer any other questions you might have in the chat here. But one more thing I wanted to give uh, my two cents about. I will not be surprised. And in fact, I will predict that Chad Muma is better than Foye Aluakun by the midpoint of the 2022 season, but Muma will not be on the field as much because the Jaguars are paying Aluokan $15 million per year. And that's no slide on Aluokan. While I don't think he's worth $15 million per year, he is a tackling machine. He is a guy that is known for uh, you know making big plays, intercepting the football, forcing fumbles. So I'm not trying to bash Aluokan here, but I think he's more of a a big time stat producer that also kind of has some holes in his game and he can be exploited. Whereas I think Muma is going to be a more complete backer who can also make plays and play athletically and uh, do a lot of different things for your defense. But I, that's just my two cents. I think Muma, when he is on the field, is going to outperform Fue Aluokan, but you will not see him in the starting lineup because Aluokan is making 15 million per year. John says that is a hot take. I really do believe in it. Uh, again, I've watched a lot of Foy Aluokan's time in Atlanta. And, you know, it's not apples to apples. He was playing in the NFL. Chad Muma was playing uh, over at Wy- in Wyoming. So it's not apples to apples. But everything I've seen from Chad Muma, from his play on the field at Wyoming, to his leadership abilities, to his play on the field at the Senior Bowl, and then his uh, workouts at the combine and then getting into Jacksonville, being as prepared as he is, uh, being as focused as he is. I'm a big fan of Chad Muma. A lot of people know that I had him 33 overall on my board and that is factoring in that linebacker is not one of the more valuable positions in the NFL right now, off ball linebacker. And I still had him at 33. Uh, he was, I had him right there with, Nicobe Dean from Georgia. They were kind of uh, 2A and 2B as my linebacker prospects. And of course, Devin Lloyd was the top prospect for me at the linebacker position. Um, Nicobe Dean, I probably would have given a little bit of an edge. And it depends on the defense you're trying to run. I think Muma has more versatility. He has more size. And, and, uh, Dean obviously ended up having the injury issue that had him sliding down the board. So, yeah, I think landing Chad Muma at 70 overall was incredible. 
Bulkfang says agreed. Everyone thought we got fleece trading Henderson. I think the reverse card. Oh, okay, I missed something up here. Us and them says to think we traded CJ Henderson for Dan Arnold and Chad Muma. You know, I I hope CJ Henderson's doing all right. I hope he's, you know, finds his happiness and what he wants to do in life. But yeah, when you look at that trade, Dan Arnold and Chad Muma. Obviously, Arnold is now going into a contract year, but you'd like to keep him around. He did. He played really well for the Jaguars when he was healthy last year as a receiving tight end that could stretch the seam. He could also, you know, threaten defenses horizontally and 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 make some make some plays with the ball in his hands. He's a big, long athlete that that linebackers and safeties have a tough time dealing with. Bulkfang says, is Henderson even in the league anymore? I know Panthers fans are pretty much ready to move on from him from what I've seen. Which, again, nothing against C.J. Henderson, the person. But on the field, he just has not gotten the job done. Jack Sayers says, amazing linebacker value on the team this year. Went from rags to riches. Yeah, and another take-all offer, which I don't want to slam Foye Aluokan at all. I think he's a good player overall. But... I think he's a good player making elite player money. And I think after his uh, first two years with the Jaguars, they have that two year out. I think it's going to be an easy decision to just roll with Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, unfortunately. But Alukin's got his payday. He's going to be good to go. Uh, Brett James says, what up, my guy? Happy to have you here, Brett. Big fan of what you do over on your channel. You guys make sure to go follow him as well. John says, Brett, when you get in that Agnew interview, has that not happened? I thought he was going to do that. I thought Agnew agreed to do that. Let us know, Brett. But either way, I think Brett had a, a Jaguars live stream last night on his channel. So go follow him, Brett James. Unless y'all got anything else, we're going to wrap it up here. Yep, that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, Duval. Hit me up on Twitter, at Jordan DeLugo. Follow Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. Make sure to hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube and check ginjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, and Duval gear. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.